and quote, when I was at the hospital, they told me that Brackett's food poisoning from eating in the dining halls was very common. They said, you are not a rarity among the students at Penn getting sick from eating at the dining halls. What's up, party people? Pun intended, because today we are going to be talking about college parties and drinking culture, peer pressure, all that fun stuff. Before I begin, my update of the week is something that has to do with college, actually. It has to do with my college. So we all know that college dining hall food is awful, right? Like, we don't really expect anything good. We know the colleges probably don't care that much about the quality of food, yet a lot of colleges will force you to stay on the dining plan for at least two years. I have some friends who do not have to do that. I think, like, after their freshman year, they can opt out of the plan completely and just, you know, cook on their own. And let me tell you, like, not only does it save you money, but... It's just such a better experience. Of course, sometimes you're pressed for time and it's convenient to just pop into the dining hall. But as someone who cares a lot about food quality, I feel like I started caring more recently, like maybe in the past few years, as my health has been going through some ups and downs, I started to realize the importance of food quality. I'm like, I I don't care how busy I am. I am willing to cook something meal prep, whatever I have to do, if that means that I don't have to eat the dining hall food. Because like I said, you often end up saving money um, even though you have to buy groceries. People did the calculation for UPenn, um, the school I go to, and they calculated that based on the dining part of the tuition, each meal swipe that we get into the dining hall equates to $17. I, okay, I was shocked when I heard this um, because $17 can get you something decent, if not good, from like takeout or a restaurant. And given the food quality on my campus, it's, it's an absolutely outrageous price. I don't care if it's all you can eat. I don't care if it's like a buffet style. It's awful. It's, oh my gosh, I cannot even... And so today's update is there was recently a news article written by my school newspaper, The Daily Pennsylvanian, revealing that um, the school just went through some health inspections by the city of Philadelphia. And it was revealed that two of the dining halls did not pass the minimum health standards. Let me just pull up the article because when I read this yesterday, I wanted to cry. I knew the food was bad, but not even I thought that it was this bad. Essentially, all of the dining halls had at least four points of concern. Um, However, there's a certain threshold where if you're beneath that number of points of concern, you still count as compliant towards the food safety requirements. So only two of our dining halls actually reach the point above that. I'm actually not sure what that threshold is, but we have the class of 1920 Commons dining hall. This is one of the oldest dining halls, I believe. 
And I'm not gonna lie, it was actually my favorite dining hall at school. When I say favorite, it doesn't mean I actually liked it. It's more, it's more like among those options, it was the most bearable one for me. And I felt like it had a good variety of stuff where I could always find at least some vegetables that looked decent. Um, so class of 1920 Commons Dining Hall had 21 health concerns and it was not compliant. And then the second dining hall is Hill House with 38 points of concern. 38. Try to think of what possible, like, I can't even think of 38 things that that could go wrong in a dining hall in terms of sanitation and, you know, quality of food. I don't know. Like, I can't think of 38 things. But listen, I'm not surprised by this, okay? So I lived in Hill House. It's actually a college dorm and it has a dining hall on the bottom floor. And so... I would not go to the Hill Dining Hall often for obvious reasons. Like, I didn't even have to know about this report. The food was just awful, even in comparison to the other dining halls, and that's really saying a lot. So I did not personally eat there often, and I'm really glad. In retrospect, I'm looking back on some of the meals I ate, some of the specific food items I ate, and cringing so hard. Because going into college, I again, knew the food was not going to be good. And I sort of had this idea, like, I probably should not trust the meat in college, right? Because is it even meat? Do we know where it's from? No, (laughs) definitely not. And there have been numerous jokes on social media from people making fun of like the, the beef at the Hill dining hall, because people are like, that's not a cow. Like, no way that's a cow. And yeah, I mean, I can attest to that because I remember during new student orientation and just in the first few weeks, I didn't really care that much about food. Like I wasn't thinking about it that much, even though I was like, yeah, this food is not it. I was kind of just eating whatever. And listen, I mean, it's not like eating this is going to severely damage you or anything like it's it's fine. But I would always hear about people having to go to the hospital because they had food poisoning. It was a very common complaint for people to just be like, yeah, you know, I'm feeling so off after the dining hall or I have food poisoning from the dining hall. Luckily, for the most part, I did avoid eating things like hamburgers and hot dogs from the dining hall because again, where's that meat from? I don't know. Um, I would have like the chicken and beef and you know what like you gotta eat right like with the options you're given you you gotta have something so I do remember I eventually stopped having the beef because it was so bad and then I would exclusively like try to be plant-based for my protein and go with like lentils or chickpeas or tofu which they also did not cook that well but at least I'm like okay I mean whatever They also had tempeh, which I had never heard of before, but tempeh is just another type of plant-based protein, and my only impression of it is from the dining hall, and it tasted like feet. I would always say this to my friends. I'm like, the tempeh tastes like feet, but for some reason, I still want to get it. Okay, don't judge. (laughs) And so I would have the chicken. Why would I still eat the chicken? It's because I knew where it was from, at least, 
on the menu, it would say Murray's Chicken. And so I looked up Murray's Chicken and it came from a farm in New York called Murray's Farm. Um, I was just kind of relieved, at least I knew where the meat was. Now, do I know that they raise the chickens well or have good quality meat? I don't know that, but it's just, it was sort of comforting for me to be like, okay, at least I know the source. And so I will continue to have Murray's chicken. And it became a thing where I would choose which dining hall to go to for like lunch or dinner. I did not eat breakfast in the dining halls. I would have yogurt in my room because I was like, I'm sorry, I cannot handle three meals a day in the dining hall. And in my opinion, their breakfast is the worst out of the three options. I'm also just not a breakfast person in general, like never been super big on it. I don't really like pancakes or waffles that much. It depends. Um, I really like yogurt. I don't like eggs. You, you see, like there, there aren't that many options for me. I also don't like sausages or bacon. I hope this is not a super hot take. But yeah, um, I would choose the dining hall based off of which one has Murray's chicken. And normally at least one dining hall would always have it. But in the rare cases where that didn't happen, I would be quite disappointed. So ironically, 1920 Commons, that dining hall, ended up being the one that I started going to a lot because they would always have Murray's chicken. And so now when I see that Commons, as we call it, was one of the two dining halls to not be compliant with the Philly like food safety standards, I, I want to cry. Um, at least I can say that I didn't go to Hill that much. 38 violations, guys. Like, what even? I, I went on a little tangent, but let me just, let me read the article or parts from it. Okay, so there's this part here talking about these two other cafes slash dining halls. One of them is called Lauder College House. Yes, that is Lauder as in Estee Lauder, I believe. And basically in this article, it says last fall, so fall 2022, Lauder College House was also assessed as not being in compliance during the inspections but this time around in the spring when they were reevaluated, they reduced most of their violations and became compliant this is the part that literally sent me into orbit it said reduced most of their violations relating to insect activity debris and mouse droppings um excuse me when i read mouse droppings like when I tell you my jaw dropped because like I have no words. This is not the worst part, by the way. I'm going to keep going. Um, I was just sort of floored because how could it be that unsanitary? I know that cities, they're dirty. There are cockroaches a lot in college environments. I get it. Even sometimes there might be a mouse or a rat or two. But are we really going to have mouse droppings in this place? Like, is that what we're doing? I was just sort of floored because Lauder College House was another place that I would eat at quite often. It was sort of a smaller, not sort of, it was a much smaller dining hall with more limited options. But they sort of marketed themselves as gourmet because they would have like a special entree 
and then some other sides. So basically this cafeteria would not cost you one meal swipe, but I think it was actually two meal swipes or yeah, I think it was two meal swipes. It was something additional, right? So that's $34, $34 for something that was exposed to insect activity, debris, and mouse droppings. Also, their food was not even good. Oh, I'm like so upset about this because food really matters to me now and it just pains me. I'm like, I know colleges don't care about you, but they really don't care. Or at least Penn doesn't care. Um, Duke, when I visited Duke University, I did not get in. If I did, would have a thousand percent chosen it knowing what I know now. Not only is it obviously a great school, but like the food. When I visited, the dining hall was a plus top tier. I was very impressed by it. And now I realize like good food equals college that somewhat cares about you at least a little bit more and cares about the students' well-being, right? Like I know their dining hall, they they sort of have like a food court, but it's very high-end and they source things like locally. I mean, this is we're talking that's like the highest standard of college food. I would imagine most colleges don't do that and I get it okay but at least pass the freaking city health codes right the bar is literally underground and any restaurant any institution that is not Penn in the surrounding city would have had to shut down the moment it was deemed not satisfactory. Like I remember there was a piece on the news last year about a supermarket called Acme. Um, I don't know, like I'm assuming Acme is a big thing on the East Coast. I'm from the West Coast, so I had never heard of it before. For us, we have Safeway. That's like our big supermarket chain. Anyways, Acme, which I'd actually never shopped at, I would always shop at a different place just because it was close to where I lived on campus and Acme's all the way on the other side. But Acme closed down for at least a few days because um, inspectors also found mouse droppings inside the supermarket. So like they closed down and I'm not sure if it's because of public pressure because for, for us, like we are... We are students at a school and we don't have that much power slash I don't think most students care that much. Like I know that a lot of people were bothered or disturbed by this, but it's not like we're doing anything about it. We might complain a little bit, but we don't really know how to push back. And so I think it's a bit different where with a supermarket that's open to the public and, you know, people people can push back more. Anyways, it closed and that's as it should be, right? close it until the problem is fixed and it passes the next evaluation. So the fact that all of these dining halls, including 1920 Commons and Hill House, who did not pass the minimum bar, they're all still open. And that is just an egregious violation to me. (laughs) Okay, I'm talking way more than I thought I would about this subject. Watch like half of this episode be about terrible college food but you know what that's okay I need to get this off my chest um let me read another disturbing part of this article so if you're wondering is the mouse droppings thing just a a one-off occurrence or is that something that happens often 
Let me tell you. So Hill House, the February 6th food facility inspection report at Hill, by the way, I'm quoting the article right now, listed six separate sightings of mouse droppings. Get, get ready for this part. Two of which were observed in direct contact with pans and containers of ingredients. Other noteworthy violations at Hill included utensils with dried food residue being left among clean utensils and a lack of sanitizer available at the dining hall. I mean, that stuff is, you know, not good as well. But the fact, I, oh my gosh, the fact that not only were there mouse droppings just in the general environment, the cooking environment, but two of which were observed in direct, direct contact with pans and containers of ingredients that is used to make the food made me want to cry. I really think it speaks volumes that even after this, not only has the school not said anything about this, they have not addressed it at all. The Penn Dining Instagram is still posting and being like, ha, 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 we are so healthy and fresh and sustainable and we care so much about the students' health. Um, BS, because first of all, like this dining hall is still open right now and serving students. And I saw a funny comment on just like a discussion forum for Penn students and someone was like if this is the quality that the dining halls were at when they knew they were being tested and inspected imagine the quality when they're not being watched and that just made me it gave me shivers and then there's another quote in this article a first year told the daily pennsylvanian that he experienced suspected food poisoning shortly after he ate a burger at Hill, which led him to be escorted to the hospital by the Penn Medical Emergency Response Team. And quote, when I was at the hospital, they told me that brackets, food poisoning from eating in the dining halls was very common. They said, you are not a rarity among the students at Penn getting sick from eating at the dining halls. So, like I said before, because I had heard about this a lot, people are being literally hospitalized because they have such bad diarrhea or like food poisoning. And it's very highly suspected to be from the dining hall, right? Because normally when you feel really sick like that, it's it's from something you ate. And then let's see, let's see how the school attempted to address this. So the director of hospitality services wrote in a statement that the office has taken, quote, corrective measures and encouraged students to contact the manager at any location where they see problems, blah, blah, blah. And then, quote, providing a clean and safe dining experience is our highest priority and formal health inspections supplement our own efforts to ensure that we maintain a high standard. Please, 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 please. Give me a break. Give me a break. I just, listen, I'm on a gap year right now. I I don't know how I can go back and feel comfortable eating at the dining halls. I don't care if they pass the health inspections after this. Knowing that that happened and as someone who has eaten the food for months on end, I can definitely confirm that the quality is non-existent. 
And one more, one more food story and I'm done, I promise. One thing I used to do was eat a lot of boiled eggs at the dining hall. And the reason I did this was because I mentioned earlier, I don't like eggs. I've never really liked eggs. They make me feel like I want to throw up for some reason, especially the boiled egg yolk. Um, in particular, it just makes me feel really sick for some reason. And so I didn't really eat eggs growing up. And when I got to college, I was, you know, going through my health issues and I was like, okay, maybe I should start eating healthier foods. I also don't like seafood. So I was like, I should start eating fish. I know fish is really good for you um, with its omega-3 fatty acids or whatever. Little PSA on that, always get wild caught fish when you can because Ever since I watched this documentary about overfishing on Netflix, I don't I don't remember what it was called, but ever since I watched that and it touched on like farmed salmon and that whole practice of farming fish, I did not realize it was that bad, but America everybody. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I should start eating fish and I should start eating eggs because eggs are also good for you in several ways. And so I started getting eggs every day from the dining hall and I went a little bit overboard. I would get two to three boiled eggs every single day. And before you judge, please don't judge, okay? Listen, my logic was I'm gonna make up for all the eggs I never ate in my childhood. I wasn't thinking, okay? I was like two to three eggs every day. Um, not that that's like bad for you per se, but only eat that amount if that's what you actually want to eat. For me, I didn't even like the taste. I just wanted to eat something healthy. So I would kind of force myself to have it, being like, this is good for you. Not good. Don't don't be like me. The woman who ran the egg cauldron, there would basically be this like big cauldron. I'm calling it that because that's literally what it was with hot water and like a bunch of eggs floating in it. And I'm pretty sure she was not used to people asking for more than two eggs ever because I would be like, can I please have two eggs or sorry, three eggs? And she would give me two and I was like, three? And then she would be confused and then she'd like give me one more. <laughs> I saw her every day. Oh, by the way, I would get these eggs from Hill House, none other than the Hill House, the mouse dropping place. Eventually, whenever she saw me, she sort of caught on and was like, Oh, this is the weird girl who gets three eggs every day, okay. And then it became a self-serve station, so that was kind of, that was a sad day because I actually always looked forward to seeing her. But I'm cringing now looking back on how many eggs I would eat every single day because I was kind of aware of it back then, but I sort of just ignored it. I wonder how long they keep each egg inside the cauldron because at the end of the day, if there are still some left in the pot, I know what they do because they're not going to throw it away and waste it. I know what they do is they put it somewhere and then they, they put the egg back in the cauldron. Like it's already boiled. The next day, they essentially boil it again until it gets taken away. And why do I know this? Well, number one, just intuition. Number two, you could see it. If you looked at the eggs, there would be some that were severely just damaged and it did not look right. It would be cracked in this weird way. There would be stuff like oozing out of it. 
it was just weird. And this should have been a huge red flag for me. Another red flag was when you actually like open the egg or when you take a bite into it and you look at the color of the yolk, there would be some eggs where the yolk was genuinely like light gray and almost white. And I know that there's a part of egg yolk, boiled egg yolk, that looks kind of gray. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually gray, gray, all of it gray, probably because it had been boiled like 10 times, sat in the cauldron for two freaking weeks. And there would be other times where the consistency, oh, it was so wrong. It was so bad that not even I could force myself to eat it. It would sort of be like rubbery, really rubbery. Because you know when you bite into an, a boiled egg yolk, it's supposed to be sort of, it's supposed to crumble kind of. No, 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 no. Th- this was like plastic or some sort of rubber. It was so, so bad. So there were so many red flags that I just ignored back then. Um, let's see what else. Oh yeah. The utensils. Dirty, 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 dirty. I should have brought my own utensils to the dining hall because I actually had my own metal utensils and I think I'm definitely going to do this next year, but basically the utensils, you could literally see the little food residue and crust from the previous person who used it because I'm sure they were not washed very well and so I would always spend a really long time trying to pick like a utensil that looked minimally used there was that I don't want to imagine okay the cups like the plastic drinking cups now I was guilty of using those a few times but then I started to be like wait this is kind of gross this is not exclusive to dining halls even even in a restaurant I've heard waiters and employees from restaurants I think I read this in an article it was an article like former restaurant staff tell you what to never order and one of them was like the cups in the restaurant especially the plastic cups they're not that sanitary another interesting one I saw was not to use the lemon sometimes you get a water with a lemon or a drink with a lemon slice you know how they keep the lemon peel on that that peel has touched some really dirty things potentially even touched like raw meat or something like that on the cutting board and sometimes they put the lemon in your water which is bad because it doesn't give you a choice but if you get it on the side the recommendation was just just don't use it and it's kind of like scary to think about how much trust we put into the places that serve us food I know that not every restaurant is like this. I appreciate the ones that take sanitation and cleanliness very seriously. I really appreciate that. But colleges are, number one, a business. Number two, an educational space. So I would imagine they could not care less about the food. At least not most colleges. Definitely not Penn. Because prior to this article coming out, I mean, people have been complaining about the dining plan since I'm sure the day it was founded. And I don't think the food has gotten any better since whatever, when it was founded. 17, hold on, I'm going to look this up. When was Penn founded? 1740. Holy crap. That's really early. Yeah, I think, you know, the food has been bad since 1740. And so 
if I was a billionaire or a millionaire, if I was rich and was gonna make a donation to this school, you better believe that the thing I would be donating my money towards is the food and improving the dining experience. Screw getting a building named after you. Well, maybe I would get a dining hall named after me and that would be like a safe haven for students who actually want to eat something that is presentable and compliant with basic health standards. Um, that That's what I would do with my money. Anyways, bottom line is, number one, pen food is so bad. Number two, when you're choosing a college to apply to, when you're choosing a college to commit to, do not overlook the food. <laughs> because if you really think about it, it's funny because food was never something I took that seriously. You look at what kind of majors do they have? What's the student to faculty ratio? What research or other opportunities do they offer? And of course that is incredibly important, but it should also be like, okay, the stuff that I'm going to eat two to three times a day, five to seven days a week, is that going to be healthy? Is that going to make me energized and feel good? Is that going to pass the Philadelphia health inspections? If the answer is not yes, then that's, that's a red flag. Okay, rant over, rant over. This episode was originally supposed to be about peer pressure and party culture in college. Let's choose one topic to focus in on. I'm gonna focus on the pressure to drink because personally, I don't really have an interest in drinking. And of course, I'm not judging anyone who drinks, like I genuinely don't care, but I personally just like don't really have a desire to drink. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not sure if I would have felt the same way if I wasn't going through my health issues all throughout, you know, my freshman year and even before that, where I knew I was very sensitive to lots of things and I didn't want to do something that would probably make me feel worse because, you know, when you drink, you get a hangover and you might have a headache and like feel that way and I already had a headache like every day so I was like this would probably not make me feel that great while I did not get pressured by my friends ever there's just sort of pressure in the air if you know what I mean like the stereotype and almost the expectation for college age students is to party and to drink because this is the time when free alcohol is everywhere if you go to a frat party you can get free alcohol um, because that stuff is not cheap as I found again no judgment on people who like to party I wish I liked it because I tried it twice during new student orientation and that's when I found that I didn't really enjoy it because I think I just prefer quieter things it didn't feel like I was able to sort of connect or like talk with people during that time I think it's a very Partying is a very different type of bonding activity where, you know, you're not having a deep conversation, but you're still creating memories and potentially forming stronger connections with other people through the form of 
enjoying yourself and letting loose. So I understand that piece. But for me, I think I prefer something more low-key like watching a movie or going to a restaurant or staying in. I don't know. (laughs) That's sort of my type of thing. And so I tried partying twice during NSO and both times I did not stay longer than 20 minutes, I remember. I think the second party I went to, I remember it was at an engineering fraternity. I didn't know that at the time, but I later um, put together, it was actually at an engineering co-ed frat house. Not that that really has any relevance, but I remember going down into the basement. It was so sweaty. It was so humid. It was so small. I know people dress up for parties. And then the ironic part is most times when you go into the party, it's so dark and crowded that you cannot see what someone's wearing. If you're wearing like sweatpants and a t-shirt, I don't even think people would notice. And I remember it was just really loud and someone like sneezed on my arm because there was no physical distancing at all. I went up to the bathroom to wash my arm and I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go. And so the people I went with, like we all left. I actually don't remember the first party I went to. I don't remember anything specific from it besides the fact that I also left very early. You know, I tried to dance, I tried but I just felt really like awkward. I think I'm also just an awkward person. Maybe it was just overall not not my vibe. And so to wrap up this very brief discussion on the pressure to drink in college, because the main activity at a frat party is to dance and to drink and get drunk. What a lot of people say is you have to get drunk enough to think that it's actually fun. Um, Because if you're sober, you realize how underwhelming it is. The good thing is colleges have enough people where you're always going to find people who have the same sort of lifestyle habits as you. Now, they might not necessarily be your friends, but just take comfort in knowing there are other people in college who also choose not to drink for whatever reason. And if you do like to drink, there are plenty of people in college who also like to drink and will do that activity with you. If you drink on occasion, there's a place for you. There are people for you. And also, as someone who doesn't drink, I don't personally find that as a barrier when I'm making friends. I don't think that stops me. It's never a consideration that I have like when I'm making friends. And I think it's very possible and easy to have close relationships with people who maybe do drink a lot more, maybe not even a lot more, just people who do drink. If you find the right people, like they would never force you to do that. And, you know, you coexist because at the end of the day, drinking is just something that you do to make yourself feel better in some way, to have fun or let loose. And so it's a very personal thing. That's how I see it. And I I completely got over any sort of shame or embarrassment that I had around that because the thing is that no one cares. Okay, like 99.9% of people are not going to care if you drink or not. They're not going to ask you. If they ask you if you want something and you say, no, I'm good, that's the end of the conversation. Like, that's all I'm going to say about that now. Although, I think I'm going to do another episode more about party culture. I guess this was a little bit of a sneak peek. Just wanted to slip my thoughts in there. Um, Thank you very much for listening. And... 
don't underestimate the importance of high quality food or food that passes the minimum standard. And I hope you enjoyed hearing that little story about the pen dining debacle. And I will see you next week. Bye!